Welcome to Sydney. <laughs> Thank you. We have missed you. I want to have you recall a moment. It's November 2015. We are in Zurich. <laughs> I know it's dying. It's fucking cold. Kalpesh. <laughs> um, snow everywhere. All the trees are lined with Christmas lights because it's 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 near Christmas. It's so beautiful. I'm there hanging with you and a bunch of other people. We rock up to one of Zurich's hottest clubs, nightclubs, bars. Everyone's ordering their favorite cocktail. And you ask the barman if he has hot water because you open your jacket and pull out your collection of tea bags. <laughs> I love that. Everyone's going, what the hell? He's bringing his own tea bags. And you were so serious. I love that you've always had this give no fucks attitude. I love that about you, Ben. And that was a very special moment going, yep, my friend's just doing him. He's just doing him. Was it always like that? Thank you, Rahul. Good, good uh, memory. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I recall I actually had Rooibos tea at that time. Yes. <laughs> it was, and I was really into Rooibos. Well, I stopped drinking about 11 years ago. And I'm not sure if I told you, but I, I stopped 11 years ago. Yes. Not because I was an alcoholic. I just yes. stopped. Sick of hangovers, ruining my productivity, ruining my sleep. So I just stopped. And then I started drinking a lot of tea. Yeah. And so when I was going out with people into like a bar environment, I had to like substitute it with something because I wasn't drinking beer or wine or anything. So I brought the tea bags. Yeah. That incredible sense of authenticity and you doing you. How was that growing up for you? Did you have to have that great sense of self-expression growing up? What was school like for you, B? Rebellious. You were rebellious? Very rebellious. Mm. Like super, yes. super rebellious. What does super, super rebellious mean? Give us some stories. What does super rebellious mean? Rebellious for me is running away from home and, and going, I ain't doing this anymore. <laughs> School was fun, like really fun. But then I took it to a level where, you know, I got kindly asked to leave school. Yes. And then I went to boarding school. But to answer your question, some examples like inking a teacher with you like want, a felt tip pen. Like we used to like split it a bit. And then when the teacher would walk the other way, we'd ink the back of the, the, t -shirt, the, the shirt. Okay. So like really stupid stuff. Um, but school was a lot of fun. And I think I was just trying was, to... Was that fun for you or was that a comment on authority? I don't know how to classify that. It was, it was stupid yep. and it was um, not respectful. But at that time I found it funny. Yeah. And I think I was just trying to express myself like an artist on the teacher's shirt. Yes. Do you consider yourself an artist now? Creative. Yeah. So, yes. Yep. Um, uh, creative visionary. I think you're, you're a big visionary. I, I love that about you. So when I first met you, you were co-owner of Cohen Handler. That was such a huge success. Your story is that you met Simon in California, understanding that a huge percentage of the US were using buyer's agents. Can you tell us some of that journey? That journey was wild. It just it happened very spontaneously. So the background was I left the corporate world. I was working at a company called Charter Hall, like a property funds management development company. Was that your first job? First corporate role. Okay. So I had to get out of the nine to five, you know, that was 
hardcore, like surrounded by brilliant people, like really smart people, so grateful, learnt a lot, but I just didn't want to be in that environment. Not that company, but just the, the corporate world. Yeah. So went to the US just looking for opportunity just to expand the brain and that's when I met Simon at a Halloween party and that's when I was introduced to the concept of buyer's agents over time when I was there. Yeah. Tell, tell, tell the listeners who don't know what that is. Okay, yeah. A buyer's agent, just like a real estate agent, represents a seller or a vendor to sell their property exclusively. A buyer's agent represents a buyer. So if you're looking to buy a property, investment or family home, a person, a buyer can engage a buyer's agent to help them source the property, negotiate the property, bid at auction, develop a strategy, research, all that stuff. Yeah. And pay the buyer's agent. And... That wasn't big in Australia. Why do you think? You, so, you pretty much disrupted the market in Australia to, to bring the concept of buyer's agents into Australia with Cohen Handler. Yeah, we weren't the first. There was actually some people in Australia who were doing it. Yep. We thought they weren't doing it well enough. So that's why we wanted to come in and really create impact, which we did. But it was really tough to begin with. So I didn't obviously have such long hair back then. It was short. I, was I remember. <laughs> and so people used to think I was an art dealer. So when I told them I was a buyer's agent, they thought I was an art dealer. Mm. No one had any idea, like yeah. zero idea what a buyer's agent was. And the thought to pay, the way the, the fee structure works is there's a retainer up front to engage. So if, uh, you know, you said, Ben, I want to buy a property in Bronte, there's a retainer up front and then there's a payment on success. Yep. And so the thought of a buyer having to pay me a retainer up front to help them buy a property that they couldn't digest it. Mm. And so it was like headbutting a brick wall to articulate the value proposition to people. Yeah. Because a lot of buyers never realised that the real estate agents don't work for them. They work for the seller and they're really good at working for the seller. Yes. So a lot of buyers, it was just an awareness piece that we had to introduce to them. Yeah. How difficult was it to kickstart Cohen Handler in the beginning here in Australia? It was tough, like really tough because no one, the, the business model, it was we proved it quite quickly, but the awareness was so low, the consumer awareness that it was, it was like I said. What were like, some of the things you did to increase that awareness so quickly? I think it was like a bit of a domino effect. We bought for a few people. Yes. And then the word of mouth was very powerful. That really started to gain momentum. Yes. And then business to business, we were working with a lot of mortgage brokers and accountants and financial planners, and that started to spread around other business professionals that you know, we could help their their clients, um, but it was challenging. However, we were so committed just to representing the buyer. Yeah. We believed that the playing field was so uneven that I think what really allowed it to work for us was just both our deep commitment to the vision of the company yes, and to change the awareness. Like that, that's what we, I think, that that's why it won for us, I think. Yeah. And so to have that commitment to the vision is also a commitment to the values, um, shared values, obviously. What will you share what those values were? I can't even remember the values on the wall, to be honest with you, that we what had. What were your personal values to have the, all that work? Having a lot of fun yeah, is a big cool. one. So yeah. just bringing a lot of fun into the room um, yeah. with the team. We, we, we built a large team. It got up to around, when I say large, it was up to around 70 staff. Over how many states, how many countries? Um, around three states. And then we also had an office in California. Yes. And, you know, I think a lot of different cultures and age brackets and professional background, a lot of diversity, which was fantastic. And so it was just important to keep up the fun yeah. in the workplace, you know, because everyone can, especially myself, can be very serious. 
Yes. It's important to keep up the fun. It's also very important to keep the the integrity of the business that grows so fast. Um, how does one go about doing that? Um, regular team meetings, regular fund meetings? How do you go about with such fast expansion to keep the integrity of the business? Because it has a great, it had a, well, it has a great reputation. It's challenging. Like I think when we got over 15 employees, it's when it starts to, it, for us, it started to break a bit in terms of just the okay. culture. So I think it goes through various stages and it did for us. Um, yeah. In order to keep the, the glue sticky, a lot of social gatherings. So outside of work, just catching up very socially to understand each other at a deeper level and interacting and engaging outside of work. So yeah. th- we did that constantly. And I think that was really important. Um, I think allowing just transparent communication, just making people feel safe to really speak on what's on their mind, I think yes. was a big factor to keeping the culture together. And, and were you the person they went to for that? I was managing a lot of the people. So I, I had a lot of direct reports. So I was definitely doing a lot of the management in the company. Yeah. Is that your strength, that leadership role, that leadership relating role? Yeah, I like it. Yeah. I, I, I like seeing people win. I like seeing people breakthrough limiting beliefs. I like seeing people transform. I love that process of seeing people evolve. So yeah, I I enjoy it. Yeah, I've really enjoyed watching you transform and you evolve, my friend. I remember I remember so distinctly when you first called me and said, Hi, I'm I'm, I'm my name's Ben. We met the other day and I said, I remember you, you're the handsome one in that very expensive suit. I said, oh, can we meet? And I said, yes, the only time we can meet is at sunrise and we're going to walk from Bondi to, uh, sort of from Bronte to Bondi. And you said something along the lines of, sunrise? Are you on crack? (laughs) (laughs) That was was so good. And and now we embrace it, huh? Well, that was my introduction to you, which was um, at that time bizarre for me because I was used to like going for a coffee or going for lunch or going for dinner and then you you really broke through and said, you know, let's do a meditation and sunrise. And so I found that really special. Yeah, but that that wasn't. I mean, you had um, uh, been practicing morning yoga diligently for a long time before that. Yeah, I was deep in a practice ashtanga for like six years, six mornings a week at like five a.m. And I was doing I was doing meditation, but I I was applying it only in the time frames. Like for example, when I was on the mat doing a practice, or if I was doing a meditation, but I wasn't really integrating it throughout my day. Yeah. And so when you um, invited me, you know, into that space to to do a sunrise and and meet then and collaborate. It was, it was different for me. Yeah. We, we are nature. Yeah. We're, we're so connected and it act, it, we activate, the sun activates our potential. I want to talk a bit to your transformation. If you were to hover above Ben Handler now, watching Ben Handler's journey way back in the Cohen Handler days, and I, I, I understand that um, it's, it's, it's done. You're, you're doing your own thing now, which I'd love to speak with later, speak to later. If you were to hover above it, and um, see Ben in those years and watch the transformation and the evolution of Ben now, I am proud of that transformation and I've been with you during the process. What is Ben proud of? Building a life. Yeah. I spent a long time building, or I, st- I spent a long time building companies. Yeah. And I think for me, I forgot about building a life. And I think other people forget about it. Very, very, um, I think successful entrepreneurs like i can only speak for myself but i do believe that a lot of people put so much emphasis into the business the family starts to deteriorate uh health playfulness like you taught me a lot of stuff starts to deteriorate it did for me and so i've been focusing four years and just like hardcore building a life yeah what's life like now what does ben do for fun now a lot of surfing all day. Yeah, 
<laughs> Every day surfing? Well, so much so. Like I, I bought a holiday home in like a really, really good surf town in New South Wales called Angowrie just so I could be around better surf. Yeah. So, you know, I've made some big lifestyle changes so I can embrace environment and, and my hobbies um, a lot more. Yes. So Buyers Agent Institute. Um, I've watched your journey to a point now where the word fulfillment comes online for me a lot ticking all your boxes. Can I ask you to share with us what boxes does the, uh, if you can share with us also, what exactly is BAI and what boxes they tick from you? What for you, what ignites you? What inspires you about what you've created? And I want to acknowledge you and congratulate you for making that massive decision back then to create the life that is so inspiring, being in spirit and inspired every day and absolutely a life by design. Congratulations. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I remember speaking to you at the beginning yep. when it was kind of launching <laughs> yes. um, and you've always been there, so I appreciate it. Um, BAI, it helps people turn buying property into a career. So yeah. it, whether you you know, you know want to get a job in real estate or if you want to start your own business or whatever your progression plan is to get into the industry, BAI really helps you understand how to carry out the role, but more importantly, it teaches you what school doesn't teach, which yeah. is sales, which is marketing, which is building a business. Like we're not taught about this at school, which is why I think a lot of people go corporate or go nine to five because we're not taught really how to be entrepreneurs. Yes. So BAI is really to help people transform. That's the intention at, at a root level. It's not to teach people just how to become buyer's agents. It's, I had one guy who said to me, called me once, said, listen, I'm not going to become a buyer's agent, but I've quit my job and I'm moving into something else. And BAI helped me quit my job that I hated and now I've moved into a different career path that's not in real estate. And that's a win for me. Yeah. Win. Um, so that's BAI. Um, BAI is a lot of fun. So at Cohen Handler, we got up to around 70 staff. And as you asked me earlier around just, um, you know, being with people and leading people and just helping people grow, I was quite limited um, in my capacity to do that with only 70 people. So yeah. BAI gives me an opportunity to work with thousands across Australia Yes. To help them transform. So it's it's very profound and powerful for me to just be able to help so many people. You have to have a background in property to be a part of BAA. Do most people who come to you do have a background? A lot of them do, yeah. They're, yeah. they're investors. Yes. A lot of them like are very passionate about property, bought property, um, whether it's their family home or a lot of them have quite sizable portfolios. And they're in jobs, a lot of them that they that doesn't serve them well. Some of them know, like some of them love their job. A lot of them don't. Yeah. And they've got amazing skill. They've got real, they've cultivated all this knowledge, not just buying property, but just with what they've done with their career paths. And so then we, we show them how to then wrap it all up mm. and become superstar buyers agents. You must have so many stories that just make your heart sing, right? Because that it really is what your intention is to transform. Can you share a couple of stories of deep transformation and um, tremendous success. You yeah. must have so many stories. There's a lot of stories. Uh, there's a lot of people who don't aren't successful as well. Yeah, sure. So um, sure. there's a lot of as people. with anything. With anything. They come yeah. through, it just doesn't work. Yeah. Um, we've got one one dude called Sanders. He's a um, an African guy. I think, I don't know how old he is, but I could be in his 40s or 50s. He was a nurse for 30 years. Um, so, he's, you know, he immigrated to Australia. He, um, the very humble guy, built a portfolio, again, nursed for 30 years, yeah. and then now he runs his own buyer's agent business full-time, transitioned out of nursing over 24 months while he was a buyer's agent, working part-time, 
and he has a seven-figure business now. Wow. And he helps a lot of people within his community yes. to buy property, Africans living in, uh, in Australia. Mm. And he's just, it's just changed his whole world. Um, I've, I've got so many different stories of just people who um, their lives have just changed geometrically. Yeah. Well done. Thank you. Your massive contribution to push forward humanity. Well done. Um, may I ask you, what was some of the pain that you went through to make the decision or what was the most deciding factor for you to go, okay, I need to transition out of Cohen Handler and do my own thing? Letting go of the ego, mm. I think, was a big one for me. Yeah. A big one. Um, when it doesn't make sense anymore, mm. right? When it just doesn't make sense anymore. When you're just not leading with your heart, right? Yeah. Like you're not super passionate about something that you used to be yeah. Um, and then you hang on to it, it's quite painful. Yeah. So to, to cut that cord and then... I also, I want, to I want to stop you. I don't think we acknowledge ourselves enough. I mean, you know, if you were to talk to your story to an outsider, hugely successful, making shitloads of money, you've got the reputation, you've got all the accolades, but deep in your soul, deep in your soul, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And, you know, when you've worked that hard and you're in that position, it would be easy for most people to stay there. But when your soul calls you to say it's time to live your truth, it's one thing to be aware of it, but if you're aware of it and you do no thing, that's the most painful, mm. right? And I want, to, I want to acknowledge you for how much courage that took. Also, the process would have been a painful process as well. And so um, one of your deciding factors is the incongruence? Definitely. It's, it's yeah. very painful. Like when, when, when I empathise when people come on to a phone call with my team at BAI to change careers. Yeah. I empathise because I know how painful it was to transition out of a successful company into a new company, yeah. which was already generating revenue. And I know like the fear that was attached to that, the limiting beliefs and everything that went along with that, the yeah. vulnerability. So when someone comes into BAI looking to change careers, like I know it's it's – it's hardcore. Yeah. And because, you know, our confidence, our um, self-image, and there's a lot that's not built up. And so uh, we doubt ourselves. So I had to go through a lot to really rebuild my, myself because at Cohen Handler, I was serving so many of the team yeah. that I started to um, lose myself in that process. So uh, I had to rebuild myself. Yes. For someone who is in that position at the moment, who mm. is going through the incongruence part with their own career, with their own story, what advice would you give to them to encourage them, to give them that sense of inspiration? Could be practical advice, could be spiritual advice. What advice will you give to someone in that position that, we, that you were in? I think something not to do is try and get approval from other people around a new direction you want to take mm. because you get, you get mixed advice and you don't need anyone else's external approval to help you follow your, your, your truth. So my recommendation is to, you've got to have a level of self-awareness where you feel intuitively that it's the right thing that you're doing, regardless of money, regardless of anything, that it's just the right path. And when you can tap into that and you feel it, the green light is on yeah. and you go and yeah. you cut out all the noise. Because everyone's got an opinion. I feel like it's good to speak to some close friends or people you trust or mentors and get, get some feedback, feedback, but you don't lead with what they tell you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how important is it to have mentors, especially long-term mentors? Uh, has that played a big part for you? Yeah, massive. 
I, th- I always say there's a reason why like Federer or LeBron or the top athletes have all their coaches and mentors. They don't just go, oh, you know, I've just won the NBA or so just got the best, most valuable player. I'm just going to stop having my coaches and mentors. Like there's a reason why. And so I think in the business world, it's very important to have people that have been there, have walked through the flames, have yes. achieved success and, you know, be able to be led by them. Yeah. And so there's the advice that you can give B from the decision-making point of view to to trust in yourself and to, to not listen to the noise. And then there's the stages, the process. And I remember, um, you know, when, when you were going through this process, you literally shut everyone out and you're like, i got to get this done. We're not to do any dinners. We're not to do any. And, and you just got it, got it done. Um, and it is essentially a an online education program that you are um, starting off with, but then all the juiciness that comes later on with that. What is required to commence that process and complete it? When you said earlier about like the artist, I think I was going through an ideation process of just of developing the program. And so, yeah, it's a creative process, you know, like or just around how it's all going to flow, the curriculum and what's the intent and, you know, like, what do I, what's the intent for the student? Like, what do I want to get out of it? And so I think I just had to spend a lot of time executing and thinking and not being around other people. That was my, that was important for me. Yeah. Um, and I get excited building businesses. So it's just fun. I mean, I just sit there and I just think of an idea and just work out the strategy and then what's the implementation pathway and who, do, who can I bring in? Like which intelligent, great people can I bring in to inspire me and also work with me to deliver on it. Yeah, that's what that's a big question I ask. Who do I need in my orbit to help me yeah. to get to where I want to go faster? How big is your team now? About 10 or 11. Awesome. Everyone's remote. Yep. So the business, well, a lot of my businesses, they're, they're remote. So everyone wants to work in their own environment. Yes. There's never going to be an office. So if you, like, I was looking to hire someone recently and I was, t- I was speaking to someone, I said just if they want to be in an office at some stage, like, we're not the place. Yeah. Because we're never going to have one. Yes. So looking for just like for, we, I mean, I love the remote work. I want to speak a bit to spirituality. Um, I know when we first met, you were yearning for that. Mm. You were so hungry for it. And I blame you for putting me onto Netflix. <laughs> Which I. <laughs> Pete, you got to get Netflix. Are you on Netflix? No, I don't want to be on Netflix. you got to get on Netflix. Why? Because you have to watch Osho's documentary, World World Country. I'm like, all right. <laughs> put on Netflix. And I love that. Um, for me, it was a beautiful love story. I, I watched World World Country and it was a beautiful love story of dedication and the loyalty that everyone showed him. You've been to um, Osho Ashram a, a number of times in, um, in in India. How many times have you been? Only once to that ashram. Okay. Um, there's another ashram that near Bangalore, like two hours south that I've been to quite a few times. Yes. Um, but yeah, Osho was, was interesting. Yep. Um, why do you go back to experience, well, not only show the, the other one also, um, share with us what happens for you when you're there. What do you come back with? What do you yearn for when you before you go on those journeys? What happens there? I feel like we lack community here, um, leading with our heart, um, intuition. I remember Steve Jobs said he used to go to India regularly um, because he felt like on the Eastern world they were very intuitive. So I think I, I, I feel the lack of that here in Australia. So I go to India for learning. Yeah. Like just general learning. 
and I always come back with something. General learning about um, practices, about um, philosophies, about spirituality. What is the general learning? All of it. I I literally go there. Like, so I sometimes go there for yoga, for Ashtanga. Um, I I used, before COVID, I was going there every year for Ayurvedic treatments, something called Panchakarma. It's a very deep detox that you go through. Um, And it ain't easy. It ain't easy. (laughs) You got enemas. Yeah, it Um, ain't easy. (laughs) It's hardcore. So that was for 15 days. Mm. Um, Very beautiful uh, cleansing experience. Beautiful. Um, So, yeah, I just go there with an open mind and just, you know, what can I I learn? Yeah. And I come back with something. How can you not come back up-leveled? Because we are literally up-leveling the human technology when we go and do those things, right? Yeah. We, We spend so much time updating and upgrading our computers and our phones and we forget the technology that invented the technology which is this technology here which is why we go out and do those things and and come back upgraded yeah updated up leveled so where do you live now in byron yes so we live in byron like and but we've got that holiday home an hour south in angowry and so we kind of alternate Mm -hmm. environment's a huge um part of our lives now just being in an environment that like serves us so like those two places it's so important huh to love where you live it's it's so important yeah if you could live anywhere in the world um towards the end of your days where would you live and gary <laughs> i love that and you know just high five for um designing the life that you deserve thank you designing the life that um you've always uh, dreamed of um I have some quick fire questions for you, B. But before that, I want to ask you, is there a question you wished I asked you? No, I think you asked a question earlier about which led to me saying building a life. Yeah. I think it's profound. Absolutely. Especially for the, you know, for the entrepreneurs who are somewhat spiritual or, you know, developing more awareness around their lives. Mm. Um, I think a lot of people in the business world um, put a lot of emphasis on their business and a lot of other areas in their life get seriously affected. Yeah. Um, and so I think building a life is yeah. incredibly important. Building a life and then have everything else match our life principles. Yes. Rather than having our life principles work around business principles. Yeah, it's it's so very important. Um, all right, some quick five questions for you. And they're not so quick five. Who do you look up to the most? Rachel, my partner. Yay. She's lovely, so lovely. What do people most misunderstand about Ben Handler? That I care a lot, in general. They misunderstand it? They think you do, but you don't? Or they don't? I, I, th- I, th- I think in general, I think a lot of people misunderstand how much I do yes. care, just, just in general, not, not just about everything. Yeah, I, I, would, um, I would agree with that because they will really only know the core of Ben Handler when they really get to the core, right? Yeah. It, and... Um, I always say it's not that we give no fucks. It's not that we don't give a fuck. We care very, very deeply. It's just that we don't give a fuck about the things they think we should give a fuck about. <laughs> yeah, and, and to elaborate on that, like one of my cats passed away recently and it was... Oh, no. Yeah, it was, it was really sad. And like a lot of people don't, wouldn't know how much I care about animals. Like yeah. at a deep, like it was very hard for me to go through that. It was It was two weeks of... Siri, I'm still grieving. Yes. And um, I can think of that's an example. A lot of people would not realise how much I, like I was driving in Angowry, there's a lot of, in Byron Bay, like there's a lot of snakes and um, 
just an, like these animals that we don't have here, yeah. these beings. And if I'm driving on a road and I see a snake, yeah. not a brown snake, but like a big python, like I'll stop the car to make sure that someone's not going to run over it. Yeah. And to try and like lead it to get off the road. Yeah. You know, so I think a lot of people just don't know, you know, little things like that. But it's also the connection with nature. I remember um, when they were building the light rail, I'll get emotional telling the story, um, down Anzac Parade and all the trees that they chopped down mm. far out. It hurt me to see all the trees get chopped down. And I remember driving and crying and bawling and bawling and my children were going, Mum, are you okay? It's like, can't you feel it? Mm. Can't you feel the pain? So I resonate. I know what you're talking about. And, yes, um, people often misunderstand that part. You understand, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this deep appreciation for just being alive, man. Mm. That deep gratitude for the joy for existence. Mm. Okay, my next question. <sighs> If there was a title of a book written by someone who dislikes you, <laughs> what would the title of that book be called? Stop Creating More Bias Agents. <laughs> and you'll be like, <laughs> oh, so good. I love that. All right. Two last questions. If you could eat one meal, that one meal for the rest of your life, only that one meal, what would that one meal be? <laughs> this is a podcast Pauline you're meant to ask me all the questions everyone else asks me <laughs> no the reason I'm struggling is because I, I juice a lot ah, I, so I, juice like so yeah I, a lot of different can I choose choose a juice I would like you to choose a juice it's, it's juices are still meals right cucumber juice yeah I find it very nourishing yep and you could and you could eat that every day oh. for the rest of your life the only meal it, it needs to be something light for me. Yeah. I, I couldn't be something heavy. Yep. Very good. I have a gift for you, my friend. Thank oh. you so much oh. for coming all this way. Thank you. It's very kind of you. Open yeah. your for you. <laughs> ah, there you go. Should I look at this now? Yes. Thank you. You and Rachel will love it. <laughs> and Always and wise words from you. Always, <laughs> and I know how always. much you love your tea. <laughs> oh, I like this tea. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I saw this. Looks amazing. This product. Thank you so Bring much. Bring that canister the next time we go into a nightclub. Thank you again. so much. You're most welcome, my friend. What makes Ben Handler purr? That's my last question. What makes Ben Handler purr? Being around my animals. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. What are you? I literally about? purr. Yes. <laughs> I'm not going to do it here, okay? It's embarrassing. But I, I, I make these weird noises. Yeah. What are your animals now? So I've got a, a Groodle called Cooper. Yes. Well, we had two cats, but now we've got one called Chai. And yes. we're picking up – I'm in Sydney for a week. So yes. we're picking up a another cat, a Maine yes. Coon. Okay. Um, which are very large – they can be very large cats. I love that your cat's called Chai and it purrs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she purrs. Yeah. Thank you. And I wanted to acknowledge you yes. because – I would never have come to Sydney if you didn't invite me here. Yes. And Rachel's been going every week, not every week, but very regularly. And I just have not come. Yes. And so thank you because whenever I do catch up with you, there's always new learnings. So I want to acknowledge you for that. You're very welcome, my friend. Thank you. Thank Thanks you. I'm going to give you a hug. Yep.